Hello and good evening, everyone. This is Kevin Finkel back with our fifth episode of Magic the Final Frontier. On this podcast, we discuss Frontier, the non-rotating magic format which plays cards from Magic 2015 onward. Our hope in this podcast is to be the number one online source for Frontier lovers, keeping you up to date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier. I'm joined today by just one of my co-hosts, Kevin Hanlon, uh, format expert and host of the Untap Open League. Our other host, Matt, the, what did you call him, angry Canadian Grandpa Murday? <laughs> Matt, Matt Grandpa Murday. <laughs> Matt, Matt Grandpa Murday. He had some last-minute business and will not be joining us today. He'll be uh, rejoining us next week. But either way, that means you're going to hear more of my rumbly voice and my terrible bruise. On tonight's show, we're going to have a look into some sideboarding strategies in Frontier by taking a deep dive of the options you have. We're going to be looking at the decks you want to be targeting, some things like that. We'll also be taking a mention about rotation and some of the good cards and good things that means for Frontier. I want a little bit of update with MTG News, specifically talking for Frontier about the Untap Open League, the Season 2 meta breakdown. So after last week's episode, we talked about what we were planning, and now we really have what the meta looks like. Yeah, it's been a crazy one. So much aggro. We're looking at 16 aggro lists. Um... Six combo lists, so a bit of a lower turnout than normal than a um, than a typical Frontier meta. And eight control lists, five of which are blue-black control. And um, another one, if you count Esper, um, with a light white splash. So uh, it's, it's really, really impressive just the way the whole meta has panned out. And if you were calling a Tarka Red in this metagame, you were right. Like, it's <laughs> just really, really impressive how much of a turnout a Tarka Red got. I think after one of our shows, someone asked me if a Tarka Red is going to be good in this upcoming weekend, if this meta is going to be good for a Tarka Red. I don't think there's a meta that's bad for a Tarka Red. It's just still that good of a deck. It's pretty much good into anything here. It's, there, there are ways to target it, but it's it's always going to be at least decent. It's got weaknesses, but... Being able to handle those weaknesses effectively while other always also responding to other decks is difficult. And yeah, that's really the thing yeah. is that you're squeezed on what decks you can answer, and it's already answering some of those decks we're afraid of. So I actually think that six combo decks out of 36 total decks here, that's not an unreasonable amount. What is high is that control list, those eight control decks, the six blue-black, one with white control, and then the one that's just you white with approach. Yeah, most definitely. So something most noteworthy about the blue-black control lists is that our entire top cut from Season 1 decided to run a blue-black control variant. Oh, wow. So all of the top four players were? Correct, yeah. So Rasmus and Thomas and Matt and um, Jesse, I think, all all four of them are running uh, blue-black lists. So that's... uh. Even more daunting for new players is like, well, this was the medical. If you think that these are the four best players in the league and like the ones to beat, then like blue black was the medical, right? Absolutely. So you mentioned aggro decks. We have sixteen lists. Only five of them are Tarka Red. I mean, that's pretty good. Well, a Tarka Red and Mono Red were lumping in that same group. There. What are some of those other aggro lists that we see? Um. So there's one person running Bant Human. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that would be yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's me. Uh, man, my first my first match was a blowout too. It was unreal. Um, and then there is a blue red and soul list, two blue red prowess lists, 
um, a teamer aggro list, which was the one that I brewed and uh, my friend Abominations running it. And then we've got a Black Eldrazi aggro, a Naya humans list, and a Black Green Scales list, and two Abzan aggro lists. Okay, so we normally see Abzan aggro. We always see a little bit of it in soul. We see a little bit of that scales deck. We see that humans deck has popped up a few times. What we're not seeing here is any of the like mono white human decks that we've seen sometimes. That, yeah, that's I was really the one surprised. Thing and the other big thing is this pickup of Blue-Red Prowess decks. We've got a Blue-Red Prowess, or we've got two Blue-Red Prowess and a Grixis Prowess. I mean, you can blame Opt for that. That's a really yeah, you powerful can blame card. Opt. You can blame those blue aggressive cards that we've seen. Probably the Team Aggro as well is also there because of that. So then yep, finally, you're talking about combo. I see three people on cat combo. Yeah, and none of them are four-color cat combo. It, all, all three have tuned up to Jeskai. Oh, wow. All right, and then I also see we have... Two different Marvel lists, one Teamer, one Sultai, a Tesserator deck, which seems to be artifact-based, and then a Godfarrow's Gift deck. Yeah, that Godfarrow's Gift deck, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've been uh, <laughs> hiding that one out a little bit. So then the other thing we had to talk about is we do have some people on mid-range. What do you think about those mid-range lists? I mean, mid-range is something we say, don't don't play it. You've got people on control, you've got combo, all, you've got aggro. All of those look good against mid-range. Um, so of the three games that these mid-range lists have done, mm-hmm. all three of them have won. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In a list that's mostly, I mean, combo is practically absent. So this might see, we might be seeing mid-range lists coming back into top cut just because mid-range can handle both control and aggro classically. And specifically, um, your boy Loop Holbrook, Holbrook uh, he uh, he's running that Teamer mid-range list, I do believe. Um, oh, that's right, on Energy, yes. Teamer Energy. So some other ones I see here, just listed out the names. We've got Naya Walkers, Jun Planeswalkers, a Dredge list, which is pretty cool. It's um, a bunch of those cards like the Prized Amalgam, a bunch of ways to put it in the graveyard. Some yeah, of those big creatures. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. Mardu Tokens deck. So I actually tested um, against the Mardu Tokens deck earlier today. And it's pretty rad. He's running Gideon LA of Zendikar, and it's really hard to go wrong with Gideon. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like the Gideon deck with things that are borrowed from other tokens lists. Like um, there's Intruder Alarm in there, and you're hordling outbursts and whatnot. And then he pumps them all up with Gideon. And... Um, and with other planeswalkers, so probably that Soren. I can see that. That looks good. Yeah. Was there yeah, anyone else who's really right. on the planeswalker tribal? I, I see a couple of those walkers lists. Are they jamming the eight Gideons, or is it just the Mardu player plus those cat combo decks, which are running a whole bunch of Gideon? I mean, it. If memory serves me right, all the planeswalker centric lists are running Gideon. Oh, great! So at least Ally of Zendikar. Whole lot of so. Gideon then. Yeah, it's a good it's a good tournament for Gideon. He almost made the uh he almost made the list for top cards, but man, he got edged out hard by all those blue those new blues. Well, you know, it's probably also a good meta for negate then out of those uh blue decks. Yeah, or, negate's number five. Or maybe out of the side deck from some of these uh some of these blue decks. Yeah, most definitely. I mean I decided for a little bit more of a comprehensive uh counter spell sweet because you got to keep it light when you're running collected company. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, negate negate was a solid choice for this metagame, I think. 
All right, so that could be my nice transition into sideboarding, but I think we actually want to talk about our other topic first, which is rotation, which has just happened. This is some other big news right now going on for more standard players are caring about it. We got a new set coming out, and that means several sets are going away. We're losing Battle for Zendikar, Oath of the Gatewatch, Shadows of Rain Estrad, and Eldritch Moon from standard, not from Frontier at all. We get to keep those cards, and that means some great things. So the two things that I really want to touch on that this means for Frontier is... There's going to be a lot of people who started during that time who might not have kept up with Standard. They're going to be looking at all of their cards, all of their cards that are in their binders, in their decks, and they can't play them anymore now. Yep. So you can play them in Frontier. We, we want to be able to put ourselves out there. I think this is a great time for anyone out there who's trying to build Frontier players, trying to get it big at your store. See some people who may have joined in the last two years. And try and bring them into the fold. I mean, they tell them that they can play their cards still. They can play their favorite decks and let them know what they can add to them to make them more interesting. Yeah, most definitely. An Oath of the Gatewatch was actually one of the most impactful blocks, as well as the Shadows Over Innistrad block. We still see plenty of rares from that getting play. And so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about these cards that are rotating out. And we'd love to have more players who started during this period because... Honestly, you're going to already have a great feel for, like, if you started in Battle for Zendikar Standard, you're going to have a great feel for what Frontier is like. Battle was one of the most open sets of all time, so that's really going to be, there were a lot of people probably joined just for that set. Yeah, absolutely. So Um, going over some of those cards, it's great for Frontier players that all of these cards, when they were in Standard and they leave Standard, the, the price just disappears. A lot of the cards in Standard, even the good rares, don't have any play in Modern, in older formats. So all of the value that they held up, even to this point, most of that was coming from Standard. And when that drops, that means that they're cheap staples for Frontier. Yeah, so I don't want to talk about finance too much, but yeah, it it does mean that, first off, that there's going to be a format that you can play them in, and if you need to get the other pieces of your deck, that it's going to be fairly easy. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying you should go out there and buy, like, 50 copies of Gideon just so you can try and sell them. I'm not advocating for that. I just think that (laughs) right now it's a good time to go and buy those, maybe those lands you were missing from those sets. So maybe we can go into talking about those. Yeah, let's just jump right into the lands. Um, So the ally-colored tango lands, as we call them, because it takes two to tango, and it takes (laughs) two basics for these to come in untapped. I'm Um, glad we won that argument. I know there are people fighting for other names for those, but tango was definitely the best one. Yeah, most definitely. It's it's really catchy. Um, so <laughs> your Sunken Hollow, your Prairie Stream, Canopy Vista, Cinderglade, and Smoldering Marsh, all of those are fantastic in Frontier. So I see that as a big pickup that we could grab from these rotating cards. I mean, those are in pretty much any deck that's going to be running fetch lands because you want to be able to grab those extra colors and that mana type saying Swamp Island, saying Forest Plains. That means so much because it lets you grab it with that fetch land yep absolutely and these are the lands that put uh, i mean these are a piece of the mana base that puts shards a cut ahead of wedges other than absan which is just spectacular but yeah um i mean this is this is what gives you an edge as a shards player for sure yeah if i were to say a number one card no number one cards to look at from rotating cards look for these lands those tango lands as well as we also have the uh enemy colored mana man land cycle coming out of the battle from zendikar block yeah, absolutely. So Shamlik Vent's probably going to retain its value pretty well. because yeah, that, that one's definitely the best. It's uh, it's always kind of been the one that's most played. We see a bit of Wandering Fumeral, a bit of probably Lumbering Falls might be the second most played. 
think Needle Spires is the least, but all of them are good. If you're in a wedge-colored deck, especially if you're in a slower wedge-colored deck, you're going to want a bunch of these. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about Shambling Vent. It's a fantastic card. Um, and yeah, I would definitely pick up some Shambles. I would pick up some Fumaroles. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Now, jumping over to the Shadows of Anderstrad block just for a second there, there was a cycle of lands there. Are those as good for Frontier? I don't think that I see very much of that set. Uh, let's see. Showlands, no. Um, we don't see those too often, and especially because they're ally-colored, and with the uh, and with the Ixalan checklands out right now, the Showlands are probably going to uh, fade from play for the most part. Yeah, I think that's what I've seen as well. So the difference really is that if you're using your fetch lands to find your allied colored lands, then you're not as likely to have a forest or a plains or a swamp in hand for the show lands. You're likely to already have one in play for those check lands. So I think right. that the the new Ixalan set, it synergizes a lot better with the uh, existing mana base in Frontier than those show lands do. Yeah, I remember there was one game where we were doing, like, the final testing on my Bant Humans, and you were on this, like, blue-red control, or blue-red aggro list, and I uh, I, I had this, what was the what was the green-white one, Fortified Village in hand, mm. and uh, I was, like, I, I was sitting on two check lands and a Fortified, not, a, not, not check lands, two fetches and a Fortified Village, and I'm like, this is useless to me like this is literally useless to me this is the last thing i want in my hand right now so i i swapped it out for a check land pretty quickly just because it it yeah they're great all right so uh let's move on to a whole nother type of card which let's talk about planeswalkers from these two sets that's always something that it holds a lot of value you know casual players always want to have planeswalkers so they don't drop as much as other cards Mm -hmm. but something like gideon the whole time it was in standard, those two grueling years of Gideon where there was just not good answers to him in standard. Yep. Now we're getting him into Frontier. I mean, he's, he's been in Frontier, but now we're getting him cheap into Frontier, which is going to be a great pickup, I think, for white-based decks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being able to get an affordable Gideon is going to be a major boon. He doesn't really see play in Modern and definitely not in Legacy or Vintage. And he's not really affected by Commander either, really. So, yeah, I've seen him. Maybe he gets a little bit of cube value. He does show up in a couple modern lists that I've seen. Maybe some tokens decks. Yeah, I, you're probably know. going to see Gideon become pretty affordable. And if you were a Gideon player in standard, man, you're going to love Frontier because oh, yeah. uh, he's he's in so much of the metagame. He's our best planeswalker right now. He's in Abzan as a two or three of most of the time. Really, really great card. So yeah, if you've got them, hold on to them. They'll probably hold a little bit of value, go up in price, and you can play them in Frontier while you're grabbing it. Yeah, there are a few other uh, Planeswalkers. Yeah, there's some other big ones I want to mention. The the Gideon was just there. If I were to do like a top cards that I think hold on to or pick up coming out of these rotating sets. Gideon's got to be mentioned. Gideon's number one, number two, somewhere there. Totally. So looking at some other walkers. So the other walkers that really see some play from the set, we've got Nissa, Voice of Zendikar. There's the Chandra Flamecaller, the sixth drop. Obnixilis, Reignited. And from Shadows Over Innerstrad, we kind of see Mihiri, the Harbinger. You see Liliana, the Last Hope. She's a big one, yes. Maybe sometimes you see that uh, that five mana Jace. Um, mm, not often, no. <laughs> I, I had it played against me yesterday, so I had it in mind. But I was like, hmm, what is that card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to read all the modes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got yeah. an ult in there somewhere, yeah. 
but as far as those planeswalkers, all of those see some see, and they were holding quite a bit of price still, so that's going to drop significantly. I mean, the only one there that I think is going to retain price is going to be that Liliana, which sees play in modern. So does Nahiri, actually. Um, oh, yeah, of course. So does Nahiri. Nahiri might actually see more modern play than standard play, I think. Yeah, most definitely, just because there's way more things for her to hit in uh, in modern. And, you know, putting stuff in your graveyard turns out is pretty great in modern. I, w- I would say I would also definitely look out for Obnixilis Reignited. He he pokes his head into a lot of winning lists every now and then and, and tends to be pretty great against things like um like Emrakul, for example. Like, if you need an answer in black to one of the bigger threats in the metagame, I mean, you've got one right there. So There's not much that can dodge him. He can hit things like the... Th- What's the reality smasher without getting any kind of hit? Yep, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I see him pop up. I, I see Chandra less, I think, now that... Well, we saw her kind of drop off after the four-drop Chandra became popular. Are we going to see a little bit more of that Chandra flame color now that you can play both of them together? I think she'll be something that comes and goes. There, there's something to be said for being able to swing for six. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's always but great. I don't think it's I don't think it's her time right now. Um, but... She's definitely got massive potential, so. All right, so that kind of covers the Planeswalkers. What are other cards you really look for coming out of these sets that you're super interested in? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so something I absolutely wanted to hit on first was um, Big Eldrazi. Ulamog mm-hmm. the Ceaseless Hunger is rotating out. He He's definitely, like, popular in multiple formats, but um, if you were a standard player who enjoyed ramping into Ulamogs... Or cheating him out with that uh, Marvel, I think, is where he got a lot of value. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we see him the most in um, in our format, is in Marble. Also as a ramp target, that, that's going to be a really, really big one for you. All of the mid-range Eldrazi as well. the Your Reality Smatchers, your Thought Not Seers, Eldrazi Displacer, those also see play in Modern, but those are going to lose some value when they rotate out of Standard. Uh, we see him come and go. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if your meta isn't expecting it, you can definitely take him by surprise with an Eldrazi deck. So, oh yeah, I know there's, I mean, there's one person in the league and he's, he's always on Eldrazi. People always know that he's playing it, but it still wins for him. I still see him do quite well. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm excited to see how he does on that Black Eldrazi. So yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to touch on for sure. Another, another thing that's dropping out is all of these great vampires. So mm-hmm. with vampire being one of the tribes that's coming out, uh, Kalidus is rotating out. We've got Drana rotating out. She, we don't really see her very much, but she comes into scale as every now and then. But yeah, I mean, I would say Kalidus has always been like a mainstay of control. He's definitely uh, he's definitely something that's very playable in Frontier. Yeah, he's a great card. Seeing his price drop will mean a lot for players who are trying to pick him up. I remember he, he was quite expensive for Standard. I was uh, shying away from some black decks in Standard because it's like, oh man, I have to grab Liliana, I have to grab Kalidus. That just adds up so fast. Yeah, most definitely. I'd be looking out for Kalidus's, and yeah, he's he's definitely like a serious finisher, and and especially in a red in a red heavy metagame like ours in the Untap Open League, Kalidus is just an incredible. That's that's a huge one. Are there so any another other one that cards? I yeah, definitely a few more that I had on my list. One of them is that cycle of oaths that we had. So most of those came out of the oath of the Gatewatch set. But Othanis is the big one that I want to look at. It's a card that's going to be missed in Standard. It's still held, you know, it's not a big value card, but it's something that's really valuable to pick up. It's something that's played in a handful of things, mostly in that Sahili deck. Yeah. Any kind of 
any kind of green-based deck with full Planeswalkers, it's just a great card. The other one, there's a couple like sneaky cards that really grew up in value, maybe when they came out were high value, like Kozlex Return is one that I was looking at. I, I see this yeah. card. I mean, it's still played here and there. A lot of those Grixis decks, which are trying to run an instant speed completely, they get to play that card, and it just looked great. Gets to sweep away anything and everything and let the Tarka Red decks play. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so it can hit a Tarka Red, it can hit the humans list. Uh, any any like go wide token based or like little guy creature strategy is um, really easy to hit with Kozilek's return and with that rotating out. It's not. I mean, it, there is going to be a similar thing that get, that's getting printed in Ixalan. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, the one that does two to everything that's not a pirate. Correct, yeah. So that uh, that one is an easy slot in replacement. However, if you're sitting on a pile of Kozilex returns, there's still a format for you out there. Yeah, I think the one place where I'm more excited about that card than Kozilex return is in Goggles decks, because Kozilex return isn't actually red. You can't double it with uh, Pyromancer's Goggles. Right, yeah, it is technically a colorless card. <laughs> Not that that's um, a mainstay of the format right now but you know i gotta bring up those those niche cases yeah most definitely it's worth talking about for sure so i also wanted to talk at length about another one of the things that's rotating out which is all of the delirium cards oh yeah absolutely yeah so uh delirium has always had a foothold in Frontier. It's it's been this thing where, you know, like before like Cat Combo took over the metagame, the deck to beat were these Delirium decks in Jundan and Sultai, um, and in uh Abzan Blue. And just dumping cards into the graveyard with Sailor Wayfinders and making gigantic uh g- gigantic Grim Flayers and Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's a, a few of these that are going to keep their price a little bit from modern, but something like Grim Flayer, it, it's not played that much. It's still going to drop in price quite a bit. There were so many good creatures in that Shadows of Verinistrad block, especially for like blue, green, white. I mean, in addition to the yeah, in addition to that uh, Grim Flayer, we've got Tireless Tracker is leaving standard, and that was, oh, yeah. that's a great card to pick up. It's only a few bucks, but it's played in so many things. It's an easy thing to hold on to, and you, you can pick up a set for maybe. Five dollars, and then you're going to have that forever. You're going to play it in a bunch of things. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so, in fact, something to note is that almost everything in Bant Humans is rotating out. <laughs> uh, oh wow! Even some so, of the things that were good in Bant, which aren't humans, like the Selfless Spirit, the Spell Queller. We used to see Archangel Avacyn and some of those flashed. Oh yeah, I got to talk about Archangel Avacyn. So she's yeah, huge. she's it. not played in modern anywhere, and that's a card that. Has so much value. It's it's not being as played as much in Frontier, but I think that's that's criminal. I think it should be being seen a little bit more. She'll make a comeback for, for sure. Um, I think that the thing that holds Avison back right now is that um, she gets hit incidentally by the things that are good against a Tarka Red. So as long as a Tarka Red is still the popular, like the most popular and best, arguably deck in the format, um, Languish is going to be super popular, and she dies to Languish. So, yeah, she doesn't save your team dying to languish. Nope, she does not. Yeah, you can't stop those uh, those minus four, minus four effects. So, yeah, um, but Avison will have her time again. Um, she was definitely a serious pet card of mine for a long time and, and can lead to serious blowout wins. So, and obviously won a pro tour. So, um, 
Yeah. Uh, also, so uh, just to just to cover the things that are in Bant Humans instead of brushing over um, what they are, you've got Thalia Heretic Cathar rotating out Thalia's Lieutenant, um, who is one of the best humans cards we've ever seen printed. Uh, Thraven Inspector, and uh, as uh, as my friend Finkel here mentioned, uh, Tireless Tracker. All all four of those are rotating, and then oh, also man, Reflector huge. Mage. So oh, Reflector Mage, yeah. So. Um, almost, almost the entire deck is rotating. So that's going to be a big change for there, man. There, there are some good cards out of there. I mean, a few other cards I just want to kind of touch on that are rotating might be easy pickups. Let's call these honorable mentions because we're trying to get towards the end of the segment here. You still got the zombies like Relentless Dead, which jumped in price for a little while. The Diagraph Colossus Crypt Breaker. The prized amalgam, which is in some of those mm-hmm. strategies like that. I don't know if we actually touched on Ishkana herself, but that's another one of those huge payoffs for the delirium decks. It's just so we did, good. yeah. Oh, totally. Along with that, uh, the vessel of nascency is 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 great. And then we didn't even get to touch on the emerge cards. I mean, the elder deep fiends, the one that really sees any play. Yeah, we, totally. We've even seen it in some Sahili decks. We've seen it here and there. It, there used to be some more dedicated decks before kind of Sahili took over, but that those are still so impactful. Yeah, um, the the great thing about Elder Deep Fiend is it has those uh, those three beautiful words that Sahili loves to see on any creature, which is enter the battlefield because it's such. So a- I do I do have to. It's not actually. It's a cast trigger on the on all it the is. cards. Oh, yeah, it's cast gosh. trigger. Never mind. Um, I <laughs> am corrected. So the reason why it was great to jam alongside Sahili is why we saw it in even one of those top eight lists that we saw the first or in our first podcast is because, you know, you play that end step with that flash and tap them out completely. That's one way to jam Sahili combo through. Yeah, most definitely. And you can tap their lands on their upkeep and things of that nature. All right, any other big cards you want to touch on? Um, Let's see. There are some pretty powerful enchantments that are rotating out that were in Shadows Over Innistrad. We can just... Oh, uh, oh man, yeah, I can think of some of them. Think about, like, Always Watching, which is huge in those humans list. And then Fevered Visions, which has had a surprising number of applications in our format. Ooh, yeah. Well, I think we'll probably be talking about Fevered Visions into a sideboarding segment after this. Oh, yes, most definitely. So more on that later. All right. Well, ooh, you know what? The one more card that I wanted to hit on, Corlective Brutality. That's another card that was out of the Shadows Over Innistrad. And there's really nothing else that quite does what that does. I mean, two mana that can get you two cards out of their hand is just huge. Yeah, most definitely. It's hard to knock Collective Brutality as such a versatile card, and it's so often a two or three for one. Um, and it's amazing against a number of lists. So, yeah, um, anything that's relying on synergies, anything that is, like, I mean, against burn lists like Atarka Red, it's it's so often a two for one because you're gaining life, losing them life, and taking one of their creatures. So yeah, and when you consider that the way that those very very aggressive decks wins is by winning before you get to play all the cards in your hand, this lets you trade any card in your hand for more value. Yep, most definitely. I want to move to our other topic for today, which is going to be sideboard. So that's something that in Frontier, and in any format really, is a big deal. You want to be able to plan for the meta, plan with your sideboard, what you're going to be doing. So when I'm thinking about sideboarding strategies, if I'm in a completely unknown meta here, just the kind of things that I want to be expecting and I want to have hate for, it's going to be really interesting. So it kind of goes into what we've talked about as what the top decks are. So you want to have cards for that, but you also want to have cards that you know 
we'll hit a few decks. So, so let's talk in the generic first. What are some of the cards that are just great sideboard cards in Frontier that hit a number of strategies? So like a great example of like a card that's versatile that is so easy to put into a sideboard and you lose practically nothing for having it is Authority of Consoles. So yeah, that's that one-man enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, whenever a creature and opponent controls enter the battlefield, you gain one life and those creatures enter tapped. Yep, absolutely. So because they enter tapped, you're also slowing down red decks like a Tarka Red. So, and it's really frustrating for them to take, to play creatures because you're also gaining life. So, like, um, they, they have, like, you know, they play a Hordling Outburst, you gain three life. So that card's great because there's a lot of ways to stop the Sahili combo. We can try a number of things, but there's not that many things that you don't want to dedicate four or five cards in your sideboard just to stopping the Sahili combo that are no good against any other deck in the format. Right, exactly. And that's, that's why, like, um, I, I mean, so Sahili wins in combat. So mm-hmm. that's like why it's e- not impossible to find things to answer her and also answer aggressive decks. So generic versus those silver bullet cards, which are great against certain decks, and they're worth bringing in just because those decks are so strong, but the rest of the time they might not do anything for you. So some of those cards I would think of are like Tormod's Crypt or Crook of Condemnation as sideboard hate against any kind of graveyard strategy. Another one that I would think of would be like Manglehorn as something that you would bring in for Marvel, but how effective it is against Marvel is so noteworthy that if there is like any noticeable presence of Marvel or if you anticipate seeing Marvel in Top Cut, it's worth having, I think. Yeah, I think that. So let's talk about what some of those cards are really hitting. So you just mentioned Marvel. There are other real silver bullet cards against Marvel. Like there's Solemnity out there. I haven't seen anyone playing it, but it's an option if you really, really wanted to go after Marvel. Right, totally, yeah, because you can keep them from getting counters. Um, Solemnity is really hard to play, and like it hits so few things. Like You can also use a Manglehorn to make a Gearhulk come in untapped and also pop it. There, there are plenty of other decks that play artifacts, so it's it's not as though like if you're playing like some random deck and it happens to be an artifact-based strategy that Manglehorn's sitting in your sideboard. Yeah, again, so that, those are those are de- those are cards that are good against a variety. That's something that you're really looking at, is you want to have cards that are good against a number of things. So some of the other ones I can think of are like Duress, maybe Transgress the Mind if you're a bit of a slower deck, even the uh, Collective Brutality that we saw. Those are cards that are good if you're against pretty much any kind of deck that you know there are cards you specifically have to get rid of. Yeah, totally. Like, if you're against anything that's not entirely... Like, I wouldn't want Collective Brutality when I'm facing Adzan or, mm-hmm. like, a Collected Company list, and that's about it. Like, otherwise, I, there are things that I would want to use Collective Brutality for. So another card I can think of that's in that generic be Negate. That's a card we were just saying. We see a ton of it out there. Yeah, um, so Negate is, like, an awesome sideboard card. If, like, for example, like, one of the things that's been coming up on our podcast and also in the rest of the metagame is the blue splash for reflector mage and blue white humans mm-hmm. um so we saw so that like, out of matt mealing's list he had the blue splash for reflector mage main deck and then he had those four negates in the side right correct yeah so that's that's an awesome thing to have just because like if you're in a very aggressive metagame where control lists are doing well wink wink uh mm-hmm. <laughs> 
it's an it's an awesome thing that to have in your sideboard because you can have your main board strategy that handles the aggressive decks well, um, and then have a plan against your uh, your control lists. Okay, so hey, you're you're building a deck. You're trying to find what cards you, you don't know anything in your sideboard here, and you're trying to think what card, what decks do I need to really worry about there? What do I need to have something in order to beat it, or I'm just going to be dead on arrival? First off, when you're building a deck, the first thing that you need to consider is like, what is your plan, right? Like, it's foolhardy to build a deck that just entirely answers the metagame. You should have a plan. Then, as you play games, as you test, you start running into these matchups that are pretty poor in your favor, right? Like, there are decks that do very, very well against yours. For example, like, with my Bant Humans list, like, the worst matchup for me is Abzan. Hmm. So you're you're looking for cards that will be good against Abzan. I'm looking for cards that will be good against Abzan. Another thing that is pretty rough to beat is Marvel. So I need to have, like, answers for Marvel. Okay, so let's let's slow it down. So what you were kind of saying is that you want to decide whether you're the aggro de- whether you're the aggro deck in the matchup, whether you're the control deck in the matchup, or whether you you're a synergy deck. You've got a combo plan. You're just going to go full for that, no matter what your opponent's trying. So right. one of those really linear strategies, even something like a Tarka Red, is sometimes just considered a real linear strategy, or maybe more so the yeah. Monoid humans. They don't have as much hate that they can bring in as being like, oh, I want to transform into this slow grindy deck. No, they're just going to go full forward and hope that the opponent doesn't have a plan to answer that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so there are definitely decks that are pretty linear. Basically, so like to talk about a Tarka Red for a little bit, I think that a Tarka Red's my best matchup. Hmm. You've got all those life gain options. You've got those first strike blockers. Right. So I've got first strike. I've got like a lot of Thalia's main board. Mm-hmm. Um, and then post board, it becomes almost impossible for a Tarka Red to win, because I can board in two Arashian Clerics, which are human, by the way, so they're getting pumped <laughs> yep. by my Thalia's lieutenants, and then I keep in my mainboard Glorybound Initiates, and I keep my Dromoka's Commands, which can blank their burn spells. Like, it's just so hard to penetrate the post-board game as a Tarka Red against Bant Human. And so, like, that was something that, like, my matchup was already so good However, like, because I knew that that was going to be something that I ran into a lot in this tournament, I didn't mind putting in an Arashian Cleric or two in the sideboard just to say, look, I got this. Okay, so in that matchup, you've kind of found that you're the slower deck. You want to have some reactive answers, some ways to take out their creatures, gain life, survive to where your creatures get, to where the point where your creatures are just better and you can win the game. Yeah, totally. I mean, there are decks, I mean, there are hands that are keepable that I get that don't necessarily have a two drop or a one drop and they're mm-hmm. rare, but I like having things that I can pull off of a collected company that come down and say, all right, I brought it back. Okay. So let's put a Tarka red up there as one of our first decks that you should probably have hate for it. And maybe, maybe those other linear strategies as well. Those kind of go wide strategies like a Tarka red and the white humans decks. So for those kind of decks, if you're expecting, maybe I should devote, two cards for that. Maybe I need some life gain or a sweeper. Yeah, I would say life gain if you're in white or if you're in like black or red, I would go for like a languish or a radiant flames. 
Is that a deck you think you need a lot of hate for, Tarka Red? I mean, it is a popular deck. It's good against a lot of things. If I'm in something like Blue-Black Control, am I going to have six or seven cards just for that matchup? I have noticed a lot of the Blue-Black guys running the um, Gifted Aetherborn. Yes, exactly. So that's that 2-3 Lifelink Death Touch Vampire from the Kaladesh block. Yep, absolutely. So that's a really popular option against the Tarka Red. Um, Also, Kalidus is a really popular option against the Tarka Red and, in fact, is main boardable. And then the sweepers if they don't have them already in the main deck. Right, correct. Yeah, so it's definitely, like, because it's the best deck in the format, you need to have early game in your main deck, and having a little bit more in your sideboard is usually a good idea. So the other side of that is also... Does it depend on... It, it'll depend on the matchup. I'm just going to say it will depend on the matchup of how many cards are in your main deck that are just not good when you uh, are against Tatarka Red. So if I'm on a whole bunch of Gear Hulks, a whole bunch of Dig Through Time, I'm looking at five or six cards that I know I need to take out, which means that I know I need to have five or six cards to bring in in that spot. Yep, yeah, totally. Okay, so let me go to the next category of decks that we know we want to have hate for, and that's the big combo decks in the format. I think everyone's thinking, Ooh. I need something for Sahili Rai. Yeah, so luckily um, there are two thing, two colors that are particularly great at answering Sahili Rai, and they're in her own colors. So if you're, if you're playing Sahili, you can bring these in as a tech against other Sahili lists. Um, so, so what colors would you say those are? I would... I. I would like to hear what you think, but I think that red and white are the two best to answering Sahili. I was going to say red and white, or I was otherwise thinking you might be going with white and black, because black has things like the duress to take things out of their hand. It has maybe the cards like infinite obliteration, which can just permanently end the chance of any combo forever. Like, especially with this latest set coming out, it just appears that... Red is always going to have an answer. So we've got like sorceress spyglasses in any color, for example, but also like in addition to that, like red has always had rending volley in our format. So you can just kill the cat with one mana. And that is like huge payoff for very little cost. Like, okay, I have to play off curve so that I can make sure that this cat dies. Fine. So I think that's great. You touched on a couple things there. The other thing I like about rending volley is that. It has value against more decks than just Sahili Rai, and that's something we've been talking about. That there are silver bullets that are nice to have, but sometimes you want to have something that's good against other decks as well. Yeah. So something notable about Running Volley is that it takes down Anafenza, and Anafenza mm-hmm. can be a huge, huge deal if you have any sort of recursion engine in your uh, in your deck. And it turns out that a lot of decks want to recur things. So a lot like, of them, yes. Yeah. I mean, as as a guy who's on a deck that likes to recur stuff, like it, I, mean, I mean, tell me about it here with uh, God Pharaoh's Gift. Yeah, totally. So you know where I'm coming from on Anafenza, and like just having a one mana answer to Anafenza, that's you trade it up. So, so like, the other one that's similar yeah. to the Rending Volley that I want to touch on is the Chandra's Defeat. We also see sometimes because you can play it against the Tark Red, hits any of the red creatures and kills it, or you can play it and it kills Sahili Rai for one mana. Yeah, um, does it also hit Hazaret? Remind me, does Chandra's Defeat exile the creature? No, so that one is damage. It wouldn't hit Hazaret. So Hazaret, okay, so that, that's a kind of a specific card we're thinking about, which we at some point need to say is, you know, there's these gods from Alenket that are indestructible, or they come back to your hand, and if you don't have some way in your deck to take care of that, 
it might not be a bad idea to look for maybe one or two sideboard cards just to have something that can hit that kind of card. Yeah, especially so like if you're in a metagame where like let's say you're playing against a lot of value collected company decks where Ronus tends to show up. You might want like a couple Vraska's Contempts to hit him or um, like there there is Hour of Devastation that can take out gods. Yeah, definitely. Although that has trouble with something like the Scarab God or the Locust God, those ones we were seeing a little bit of, you know, in those blue-black lists. Yeah, totally. It all depends on, like, what the silver bullet is for you. You know, like, if you have a silver bullet in your deck for something, your opponent also has something that they can count on that can take you out. Yeah, that's probably true. So while we're talking on specific cards, another one that nice we have hate for is Planeswalkers. If your opponent's playing a bunch of Planeswalkers or some very impactful ones, especially if you're not a deck that plays out creatures, swings a lot, those it could be important to have a way to interact with. Yeah, so um, (laughs) the one that I'm running that has been really, really good and frustrating for my opponents is Shaper's Sanctuary. Um, oh man, yeah. Okay, so that that's going on to you're just going to another great generic card that you can go against. So you're talking now kind of hate against the control decks. Hate against control that is also versatile and like it I mean a lot of times when you see a lot of planeswalkers, you're looking at a control deck, otherwise you're probably fighting a Gideon in an aggro deck. Ah, oh, got which, it, yeah. That- like that's going to be a, a totally different strategy that you use to take out a Gideon. Like your answer to Gideon is going to be different than your answer to Liliana. And I think that you kind of have to consider what Planeswalkers are giving you a hard time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that a number of them, something like Chandra, Torture Defiance, it comes out of the sideboard of a lot of those red aggressive decks because they don't have a good way to deal with that kind of change in attack on on angle of attack so normally those atarka red decks are just you know playing creatures playing burn spells now there's something else entirely to have to deal with which is that planeswalker right and it's also chandra is a great way for them to come up with additional card advantage that incidentally does damage and doesn't like stray from their game plan so the one more thing that kind of fits under that combo category that you really want to have hate for and i've seen a lot of hate for is those tormod crypt ways to deal with the graveyard so do you want to talk for a second kind of the difference when you would play Tormod's Crypt versus Crook of Condemnation? Because those are kind of the two biggest graveyard hates I've seen, other than maybe seeing that desert that can be used to remove the graveyard. We've seen a little bit of that out of like the Atarka Red sideboards. Yeah, totally. So like I would bring in Tormod's Crypt if I was about to get in a Delve War. Like, if it's not necessarily the things that are in your graveyard, your opponent's graveyard that matter, rather it's the amount of things that they have in their graveyard. Whereas, like, if I need to hit a target and, like, I'm seeing, like, oh no, like, my opponent's playing Renegade Rallyer and I see a Thalius Lieutenant in his graveyard, like, I need to get that out of there fast. Like, that's that's where Crook of Condemnation really excels. That makes some sense. So I usually see Crook a little bit more in the slower decks because they kind of want to target those specific ones. They might want the value of being able to get rid of a bunch of them. And then the big problem I see with the Crook of Condemnation in something like Blue-Black Control is that it wipes out your graveyard as well. Um, so if you do the, the mass version. So the the Tormod's Crypt, it's free and it hits only the opponent's graveyard. So I kind of see that more in the aggressive decks that just want to make sure that your opponent isn't doing anything that's going to be cheesy. Right, so Crook sacrifices itself too, right? Yeah, so Crypt, it's usable once. The Crook, you can use it multiple times for the one card, or you can sacrifice it and get rid of everything. 
No, no. Uh, crypt is use, is usable multiple times because it no, goes cr- into your crook crypt. is usable multiple times. Tormod's crypt is usable once. So Tormod's crypt gets exiled. Um, Tormod's crypt actually goes to your graveyard. So that's another benefit: is if you happen to be in a delirium of your own, you can get an advantage from that. All right. So yeah. So just so that we're clear, Tormod's crypt goes into your graveyard after you sacrifice it, and then you yes. can recur Tormod's crypt. Yeah, that's if you want to. I've seen it before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've definitely done it before with like a renegade rally or so. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't like break any rules when I like brought my <laughs> Tormod's crypt back. <laughs> All right. Cool. So um, you've been seeing a lot of these cards out there. And I think that if you're a newer player to Frontier, one thing you won't know about is that Rally is still waiting in the wings, ready to just pounce on the meta. So I think that these Tormod's Crypts, they're getting put out there. This is the one place where I really advocate for the Silver Bullet card. Tormod's Crypt isn't good against a lot of decks, but if Rally comes in, you need Tormod's Crypt or it's not going to do anything. You're just done for. Yeah, that that's definitely like the slower combo that has been waiting in the wings for a while, and you see it creep up every now and then. But yeah, um, Sahili has definitely been like the combo deck to beat, and followed shortly behind by Marble and Rally is slower than both of those. It's a very grindy combo, but man, yeah, like if you don't have an answer for you know a a twenty twenty. Nantuko Husk hitting you in the face, then you're donezo. So. Or returning 15 cards when you've got three uh, Zulaport Cutthroat in play. Yeah, that happens too. Yeah, it's got a whole bunch of outs, that's for sure. It goes tall, and it goes non-combat, and it goes wide. So. so let me talk about one more specific hate card that we didn't mention, and then I want to talk about one more thing, which is new cards coming in from Ixalan. So that specific card I want to bring up is Dukatli Honor Guard and Hushwing Griff. I guess it's two cards now. We used to have. This is just one of those great sideboard options that we have in Frontier that hits so many things. Um, Like, Hushwing Griff is amazing against Collected Company, and it's also really, really, really good against Sahili. It's like, yeah, your combo is just not happening anymore. I'm sorry, dude. Like, it's just not. Like, your your cat doesn't do anything. It's just a 1 4, and I'm going to attack your Sahili next turn. But then also, like, Reflector Mage isn't bouncing anything back, and, like, uh, your Renegade Rally is not getting anything out of the graveyard, and so, yeah, uh, your Thalulous Lieutenant isn't making counters, and, like, so many so many things that are powerful right now, like, rely on Enter the Battlefield triggers, and, like, Hushwing Griff is, is an instant speed answer that stays on the board for multiple turns, unless you can answer it. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. do we want to talk a little bit about mana hate in the format? So there are a number of ways to kind of stop fetch lands from going off. And people who don't know much about the format, they're like, oh, you got these fetch lands and you don't have Ghost Quarter. How is this going to be good? But there are a lot of ways to interact with lands, but we don't really see them all that much. Do we want to talk at all about something like... Thalia Heretic Cathar? Well, Thalia Heretic Cathar, that's one that we see quite a bit, but we don't so much see something like Nimble Obstructionist, which can stifle one of those fetches. Or we yeah, don't see a lot of stop of fetch as much. Yeah, th- those definitely don't work out. You know, you hardly ever see like a disallow onto a fetch or like, you know, um, a nimble obstructionist cycling into a fetch or anything mm-hmm. like that just because it's a little too cute. It's a lot of mana to pay to stop someone from hitting their third that's or fourth right. color. Yeah. So. That's true. Okay, so that's kind of more getting on hate cards than specific sideboard cards. But the last yeah. thing I want to talk about with sideboards is. New cards coming out of Ixalan, if there's any you've looked at, which might be good. 
Um, Shaper's Sanctuary is an overperformer. Holy cow. Oh, yeah, that card still looks great. We talked about it in our Ixalan review. We said it was going to be good. Now we've gotten to test it. Oh, yeah, it's good. Turns out it's a good card. It's strong. Uh, makes control players squirm. Makes mid-range players squirm a little bit more. So I uh, love Shaper's Sanctuary. Um, one thing to touch on is Search for Escanta. It's not necessarily a sideboard card, but it, it can be a sideboard card. And if you were on stream with us last night... Holy cow! Did that card put oh, in work? Oh my gosh! It was it was almost like the win condition in and of itself, and both players had one, and it was just like you know, there was there were multiple things that could happen on every turn. Like we're we're on like empty hands, and like just both players have game. Yeah, it's like they're drawing a card each turn, but better than that because they know that their deck is twenty cards, and it's all the good cards are going to be right there. Yeah, there was literally, like, I mean, in Mars's deck, there was nothing he couldn't hit other than Felidar Guardian. Like, we're talking about, like, each deck probably has, like, three or four creatures in it. Yeah, definitely. So in that kind of control deck, control mirror, it looked so good. I think that sideboarding, there's still a lot to talk about. We can kind of wrap this up for today. We might want to touch on it more in another podcast, or we'll see if we can get someone to put out an article about sideboarding in Frontier. I think there's a lot in the topic still that's great. Yeah, I get to definitely. go towards the closing of our show today. I, I want to introduce a new section into our show where we just talk about what's going on in life and, uh, you know, like what's going on outside of Frontier. Um, today's topic, I want to talk about the pre-release. Did you pre-release Ixel on this weekend, Finkel? Uh, I did. I did get to go. All right. How'd you do at your pre-release and what'd you, uh, what deck did you make? Um, not bad. I didn't get, you know, anything worth anything. I ended up on kind of red-white, just barely splashing green. Uh, I was trying to do some dinosaurs. I had the one the one big one, or the, the Rip Draw Raptor, which I was like, it looks good. I gotta jam it. That, yeah, that was my sure. one big bomb. But yeah, I never opened any, like, Mythics or anything great like that. So, you know, I'm, every time I go, I'm like, man, I'm not gonna play Sealed anymore. I never open anything good. I never open anything good. <laughs> and then I go, like, then I go, like, three and one, and, like, have a decent pool anyways. And like, it looks like crap when you open it and then you, you go through the pool and it's like, I guess I can win three games with yeah. this. <laughs> Everyone else is playing commons too, it turns out. So like your things are, are strong in comparison and that's, what's great about limited in general. Um, it's funny that you should say that you were on red white because so was I, I actually pulled a Huatli warrior adept Ooh. and, uh, yeah, so that was like a super, super spicy pull, and it's just like, all right, well, I guess we're in red-white, guys. And then um, the card in that deck that, like, absolutely overperformed, I guess there were two. Um, one of them's really hard to say, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to space this out pretty well, but Fathom Fleet Firebrand is, like, super good in the early-late game. And then oh, Adonto's yeah. Vanguard, the... 1-1 one, one that gets plus 2 plus 0 when it attacks, and you can pay 4 life to make it indestructible. That's just, you can blank so many spells with that. It's just That card interests me. You know, I, I was looking at that card just a little bit for some of those white weenie decks that aren't running the, the Thalia. You know, we saw that one list that was it was full up on the 4-drop the Angel, the Archangel of Ties, and I was kind of thinking, like, yeah. hmm, maybe, maybe they want another 2-drop, that 3-1 basically indestructible in that deck. You don't care about your life total. I don't know, something we can play around with. But I'm going to try and wrap this up for this week. I like that we're going to be talking a little bit more about what's going on in our lives, what's going on in Frontier. We already talked a little bit about our current events for this week, so I won't touch on that. We've got the uh, UOL going on. We haven't had any other big tournaments because of rotation. 
If you have anything for the upcoming cast, let us know. Please reach out to us. If you want to, anyone out there wants to contact us, we love to hear from you guys. We like to hear from anyone who says they've listened to the show, who wants to hear more about the show. We're on Twitter at MTG Frontier. We're on Instagram at MTG underscore Frontier. The best way to find us might be reddit.com slash r slash MTG Final Frontier. That's our subreddit, and we kind of do anything anything that we post there. It'll be great content. We have great articles coming out there. It's a good way to find us, interact with us that way. We're also on Discord if you like to uh, talk to us there directly. In addition to that, we've started just this last week, we've started some streaming of matches of UOL games. We're doing that on Twitch and on YouTube. If you go on Twitch, it's go.twitch.tv slash mtg underscore final underscore frontier. And that has some... So last night we had our first one of those. We were able to stream a game between that Sahili Marvel deck versus Blue Black Control. Both great players, both great decks, and it was so sweet to watch. It was so awesome. It went very long. We didn't have a timer on the game, so that second game was like an hour on its own. But it was just such a grind, and it was really cool to watch. It was so fun to watch that second game where, like, one player was down to, like, 12 cards at the end and the other was on 14. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We're just, like, constantly checking the deck count. Oh, God. That was such a good match. Yeah, I'm hoping to see some more like that and hoping that we can uh, work together and do some good casts for you guys. Cool. So I think that is uh, that is our episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Yeah, we want to thank everyone out there who's listening, and we want to thank our producers and our director out there. Thank you guys so much. We couldn't be possible without you. But as always, for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go-to source for the Frontier Format Information Online, your final frontier. Signing off. Yeah.